Jack, what's your thoughts on uh, carrot cake? I mean, I'm not going to scream about it, but I was... It's fine. It's fine. I think you're incorrect because the cast of this season <laughs> thinks differently. They love carrot cake. And you know what? I love this finale. Welcome to Survivor Analytics. <laughs> I'm your host, Clyde, and I'm here with the co-host and the voice of the people. We got Jack. Jack, how's it going? How's it going, party people? I think I'm the carrot cake to your chocolate cake, Clyde, or vice versa. Where I'm the one that the fans like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the beloved one. You're better for the people. You're healthy somehow. And I'm chocolate cake. I'm just bad in every sense. But you know what? Everybody loves me. Well, Jeff loves you. I don't know about the final five, but and that's <laughs> Jeff what does. matters. I Jeff's opinion matters more to me than any of these people except maybe Lauren. We are now two seasons down, 42 to go, right? Well, well, let's say that when we're done with this discussion. You say that now. Hey, I'm just saying we're working our way through this. What did you think about this finale at large? You've only seen a couple of finales before this. I'll say this. Um, I did not remember how much of an emphasis there was on fire. I've only seen one other season with fire making. Is that correct? There was a yeah, fire yeah. at Samoa. Yeah, there was no fire in Samoa. Fire making gets introduced in season 35. So we are almost at the 10-year mark of, not 10-year, 10-season 10 mark of fire making. Yeah. So there's a lot of fire. Uh, Jeff says this at the end, but I found this to be a surprisingly positive finale. I was expecting it to get a lot nastier, especially between the Tika members, and they managed to get through this whole... Uh, finale without ever kind of stabbing one another in a bat in the back at all. You're right. I would need to go back and look at the uh, voting record. I don't know if the Tika three ever vote against each other this whole season. I I think you're right. I think for all of Jam Jam's posturing, it never actually happens, which is sweet in some ways, but it's also kind of disappointing. Like I felt all season, we kept looking forward to that moment where the Tika three would go after each other. Yeah, and it really felt like that, especially the final five challenge was the time for that to happen. Should we jump in? Like, this was a long episode. Oh, that was the other. Here's my other first impression. My second first impression. Okay. <laughs> uh, long finale. I was not expecting three hours of Survivor uh, at all. It's a lot. I think two hours is good. That extra third hour where it's the Q&A with the cast, I did not get a lot of info from. It's a half hour of the Q&A, but the finale itself is two and a half. And then the post-show is the last 30. Oh, okay. I thought the post-show was an hour. A lot of survivors. So let, let's get into it. Okay. So the final five return to their new beach um, because Jeff wanted to switch things up for some reason, even though they brought all of their supplies. Yeah. Everybody's searching for the idol. Uh, nobody ends up finding it. <laughs> but as they're searching, we get these shots of each player essentially describing their winning arc. And I don't know about you, I thought it was pretty clear from the get-go that some of these contestants had a more clear winning arc than other ones. I think Heidi opens up this episode talking about how she played her idol incorrectly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she's like, oh, you know, I know that some might say, oh, you played it wrong, but I just wanted to make sure that I played it and I took all the swings I could. I guess. It's just weird from an edit point of view. 
Like from the producer's yeah. perspective, they want to make all five of these players look like they're on an equal playing field and that they all have a shot at winning the game to build suspense for the viewer. And they'll do a great job at that. I went into the finale pretty confident that a Tikam ever would win, and this whole opening sequence did not change my mind at all. And we get this drawn-out idol search, both at night, where Carolyn wants to go looking at night, and Carson's like, I can't see, which which was kind of funny. And then uh, we get a cute moment of Jam Jam faking that he found one, uh, and they really want us to think that Warren finds it. Because we watch uh, everybody walk under the idol at some point. Were you surprised that nobody found this thing tied up with red string in a tree? I'm happy nobody found it. I don't know. I don't think I was surprised. <laughs> I would have been annoyed if we have a final five with two people immune and then they throw an idol in at the very last second. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not huge on that. I feel like we shouldn't have new idols being introduced into the game at this stage. So I, I hoped Lauren would find it just because I knew that if Lauren found it, that would throw the uh, Tika mechanism into absolute chaos, but uh, that doesn't happen. Yeah, one thing that we can talk about before the immunity challenge is Lauren is walking around actively campaigning against Carson. Right. She makes the pitch, I think, to just about every other player in the final five. And there's even a moment where Lauren and Carson are sitting on the beach and they acknowledge that they're gunning for each other. Yeah, We're, we'll talk about Carson winning this challenge later on, but do you think that this, Car- this Carson elimination was ever a serious consideration? Like, if Carson was vulnerable, do you think he goes home in this round? Yeah, I do, actually. I mean, Carson says it, which I don't like. Carson is very upfront. He He literally says, everyone knows I can beat them. I don't like his confidence, frankly, because it feels a little bit braggy. I think he's right, though. I think if he reaches the end, he wins. Uh, yeah, I, I think he does. And so I think Lauren is completely right here to gun for him and to say, look, he is the biggest threat by huge margin. She doesn't get a lot of a lot of ears. And I actually loved that moment where they're sitting next to each other on the beach um, because it was just kind of a sportsman like hey this is what we have to do this is the situation we're both in uh so i liked that moment but i just question if jam jam and carolyn would have been willing to flip on carson at this point i mean i i think jam jam would have i think what we see in this episode is we see both how kind jam jam can be and how incredibly aware he is of of the game he's playing And that's why I don't think he would do it. I think he would know it's a bad move to keep Carson around, but I'm not sure he would have it in him to vote him out in that round. I think he could. I don't think Carolyn could. So really, Heidi is the deciding vote? And I think Heidi would. I think Heidi absolutely would have gone for Carson if she'd been able to. I mean, it sort of felt like, honestly, at that stage, that it's either going to be, oh, Lauren wins immunity and Carson goes home or Carson wins immunity and wins the game. It it really felt like those were the two options at this stage. But uh, do you want to go to the challenge or do you have anything else you want to touch on before? Last thing I want to mention is I'm surprised that Carson is receiving this edit so late in the season of him being a massive threat. Like I thought him and Jam Jam were on equal footing 
in the eyes of the other players in terms of their threat level. This is the first time the entire season where it felt like Carson was way ahead of Jam Jam. Carson seems like a bigger threat because Carson is a bigger challenge threat, right? If one of these remaining challenges is a puzzle, Carson will win. Uh, Jam Jam's won a single challenge, and it was an impressive win, but it's a single win where Carson is consistently up at the front. I don't know if the narrative was as simple as, oh, it's uh, Carson's the biggest threat, or if it was Carson's the biggest threat right now because he has the best chance of just dominating the last three days on the island. We can hop into this immunity challenge. You want to describe it? I know this is your forte. Oh boy, do I. I liked this challenge. It's a humongous obstacle course that is huge for really no reason other than to uh, give Carolyn one more chance to embarrass herself for as long as possible. Um, and they have to climb up multiple stories. Basically, you have to grab keys, collect a bunch of keys, climb up, duck down, up ladders and around and whatever. And then there's a big puzzle. So I knew as soon as I saw the puzzle that this challenge was over, frankly. I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, like, come on. Uh, the other thing I want to throw out here at the beginning is Carson was standing there like a Lego man. Like if he had his hands um, kind of, if you make a C shape with your hands, right? Okay. And you stand like a Lego man where your arms are just sort of engaged a little bit at your sides and you're just completely straight up. That's what Carson was uh, standing like. I don't know why I wrote that down, but I just want to observe him. Yeah, I never got Lego vibes from Carson, but he definitely uses a lot of Legos. The fact that yeah. he's an engineer, he he definitely messes with the Legos every once in a while. <laughs> and, and then uh, we find out that not only is this an immunity challenge, it's also a reward at Sanctuary where good things happen. Yeah, where good things happen. I wrote that down too. I think Jeff says it. He says the tagline when he brings it up. I think he does, and then later on in a uh, confessional, Carson says it as well. Really? Dude, um, I'm sticking with that theory that production is forcing the contestants to say the tagline in confessional to really drive it home. I think they must be. But uh, to sum up the actual challenge... It's basically, it comes down to Carson and Heidi. They're pretty much neck and neck until the puzzle. And then guess what? Carson dominates the puzzle. We don't get a confessional of him saying he's practiced it before, but he does the puzzle. This is a repeat puzzle. Carson definitely practiced it beforehand. Okay. I I've seen this puzzle before. Jam Jam struggles a little bit. Uh, he's kind of near the back, but don't worry. Carolyn is way behind him and... Uh, to the point where, as everyone else is working on their puzzle, Carolyn's trying to um, get her last key, and she literally says to Jeff, Jeff, am I still in this? <laughs> and Jeff's like, yeah, come on. We want to get at least one shot of all five of you at the, at the top at the end to make it look really close. Jeff just wants the photo op. Yeah. So a couple observations near the end. Um, as Carson is getting some artificially manufactured tension for whether or not his puzzle will collapse, uh, which it clearly wasn't going to. Yeah, that's so funny that the tension of this challenge was not a close race in the puzzle, but will Carson just mess up his entire puzzle at the end? Basically, the two storylines we get from the edit, it's not, oh, Carson and Heidi are neck and neck. It's Carson is so far ahead... And 
so much screen time to watch Carolyn struggle. But we get a lot of squawks, right? We get a lot of squawks, and Carson uh, wins out in the end. Yeah. I do want to talk about these squawks, though. Why? Why? I posted okay, that video yeah. on TikTok of the Carolyn squawks that I predicted would do well, and it did do well, <laughs> just as I thought. It did so well. It is probably one of our top performing TikToks now. Um, <laughs> within 10 minutes of that challenge airing, I was getting notifications of people commenting on the Carolyn Squawk TikTok asking for a part two for, so they could get the Squawks from the most recent challenge in, which is absurd. <laughs> I mean, I think you should do a part two that ends with... Um... The votes being read at the end. Oh my! So it's just squawk, 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 and then no vote final. Man, um, sorry. Spoiler alert. I don't know why you would be listening to this uh, without having seen the show. But spoiler alert: Carolyn is a no vote finalist. Uh, I'm not sure if I have any other highlights from the challenge. Oh, the one thing I want to note is when Carson wins. First props to Carson, but he gets to select one player for the sanctuary. And I think that's kind of unfair. Like, there's an inherent disadvantage of isolating two players and then leaving a three-person majority at camp. Like, if I were Carson, I would consider giving up <laughs> the sanctuary and sending two people away so I had three people to strategize with. That's interesting because, I mean, it has to be a 3-2, right? And Carson's fine. So I wonder if he had a moment of saying, look, at this point, Jam Jam is the biggest threat to Carson's game. So he can play with Jam Jam and go have a conversation and spend time with his friend while setting the other three up to go after Jam Jam. Oh, that's an interesting idea. And he never says that, right? It's never outright uh, stated that that's his plan. But I think that could be part of his calculus is whoever goes with me is going to be isolated and probably target it. See, I think he chose Jam Jam just because they're buddies. That's my John Michael yeah. shot in the dark for this part of the episode, but um, that could be a strategy. Um, they go to Sanctuary, and what I really enjoyed was that they, what do they have, spaghetti and meatballs? I think so. And there's wine, and then there's like Kool-Aid for Carson. Yeah, I wrote that down too. Jam Jam gets a whole bottle of wine, and like, he must be stoked. He gets to hang out with his bud and doesn't have to share his booze. Uh, I do feel kind of bad for Carson that he uh, has to watch everybody else enjoy alcohol. And he's like, hmm, I'll have my high C like I'm at a McDonald's drive through in, in first grade. It is an odd dynamic where I'm not sure what the legal drinking age is in Fiji. Uh, the legal drinking age is 18. I'm surprised that they abide by U.S. drinking laws instead of the Fijian ones. Oh, this is hilarious. The third <laughs> uh the third result is from the Survivor Reddit. Um but basically castaways must abide to US law. Sorry for Carson. Maybe when he comes back at the age of 21, he'll be able to upgrade uh at the Survivor Sanctuary. The main thing that they talk about in this scene is eliminating Lauren and Carson appears dead set on voting out Lauren at this point. Do you right. think this is the right move for him? Because I think we agree that Jam Jam is probably a bigger threat in a final tribal. Yeah. Here's the hard part for me. Uh, we don't really get a confessional. We just get their conversation. And from their conversation, 
Carson seems dead set on the Tika three going to the final together. And that just doesn't make sense to me, right? But that seems to be where his head's at, and we don't get another moment of him saying, oh, that was just a bluff. I did not understand this read, because Jam Jam says, hey, maybe we should go for Carolyn. Which is a bad read on his part, given the number of votes Carolyn gets at the end. I mean, we talked about this last week. There were a fair number of people that, especially in a Carson-Jam-Jam-Carolyn split, Carson and Jam Jam could split all the gameplay votes and then the emotional votes go to Carolyn. Oh, I think Carolyn still gets zero votes in that final three. I think that's a fairly valid concern for Jam Jam, especially knowing people like Franny are on the jury. It's not a bad read to at least float it. And Carson will not have the conversation and he wants to focus on cutting Lauren. If you're fixated on getting Tika to the end, I would rather get rid of Lauren than Heidi. So I guess it makes sense from that point of view. I actually agree with Carson's decision here to target Lauren over Jam Jam. Okay. I think it's the right read. I agree with Carson's idea that he wins the game if he sits next to any of these people in that group of five. I think he beats Jam Jam. Yeah. So if you're operating under that assumption, the goal for Carson is to just make it to the final tribal. Right. It doesn't really matter who he's sitting next to. Like, yes, it's a closer victory if he's against Jam Jam, but he still wins in that scenario. If he's operating with that in mind, then it makes sense to get rid of the biggest challenge threat in the game right now. Right. Because Carson knows that if other players see him as the biggest threat, he could potentially get thrown into fire making at four, and he knows he can't make fire. (laughs) Right. So he needs to win that challenge at four. So... By voting out Lauren, his chances of winning the challenge go up and his chances of winning the season go up, I think. I I do think it would be interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about, oh, Carson's a clear front runner. Oh, Carson thinks he can beat everybody. Carson has a great resume, and I'm not trying to diminish that. Having seen how absolutely phenomenal Jam Jam is at Final Tribal, even with a slightly worse resume than Carson... If I was Carson, I would be a little bit wary. I I think Carson could do it, right? But I think it would be closer than we previously said between the two of them just because of how incredibly charming Jam Jam is. That's fair. Anything else you want to talk about from the Sanctuary or do you want to go to camp, the losers? Let's look at the other side. We, we get a transition shot of ants on a log and then immediately we get Heidi trying to stir up some drama and asking why Carson didn't take Carolyn. Come on, Heidi. Like, that's just not very nice and kind of transparent. I think there's justification there. It's a sign that maybe Carson's closer with Jam Jam than Carolyn. And then we also get Lauren telling Carolyn that Jam Jam's after her, Uh, which is true. Jam Jam was after her and did convince Lauren to vote for her, right? Yeah, Jam Jam is the one that came up with that plan at the final six. Then he didn't go through with it. At this moment, before... Carson and Jam Jam returned to the beach. Did you think Carolyn was going to gun for Jam Jam? I was hoping she would. This was Carolyn's winning opportunity of the season. If she turns on Jam Jam at five, votes out Carson at four, or throws Carson in fire at four, I think Carolyn wins. Yeah. So I was confused why Heidi and Carolyn were so reluctant to turn on Jam Jam at this point. 
Like, this is their move of the season. If they don't pull this off here, going into the Final Four, they have no winning combinations. So, yeah, what do you think was their driving decision or driving factor in voting against Lauren? If I'm Heidi, I don't want to be in the situation that ends up happening, right? Heidi and the three Tikas. Carolyn, I can see it coming from a, a point of emotion or of thinking she can beat Jam Jam and fire and not have to actually make a move against her friend. When they come back from camp, Carolyn is not happy with Jam Jam and it is blatant. Oh, yeah. She straight up tells him, uh, quote, we need some Tika on the jury. Uh, yeah, I mean, she is not happy with him and gives him the awkwardest hug before then, as though they've been doing it for 20 years, waiting for him to burp in her face. The combination of the very rigid hug and the nonchalantness of the burp, boy, it was worse for me this time than it was the last time. I'll say that. Oh, I think it was better this time. <laughs> of course you do. Of course. You, it was. I ugh, didn't like it. It's a little bit tense when they return to camp. The edit seems to be indicating that Jam Jam is going to get voted out in this round. Yeah, we we get a line from Carson where he says he thinks that Carolyn and Heidi are dumb to pick Lauren over Jam Jam. He uses the word dumb. So we get that. We also get Lauren searching for the idol more. We never actually see her find it. And I think that was intentional. Even if she did find it, I do not believe that they would show that scene and they would later reveal it at Tribal. I'm good to head to Tribal if you are. The vibe I got from this Tribal is there's a little bit of chaos. And then I think it's very nice how much we get from Lauren. The attention on Lauren for the audience thinking she's giving the speech that she gives. I was watching that moment thinking she's giving this beautiful speech about how well she's played. And she could be about to pull out an idol and... That would be a winning move. I don't know about a winning move. It would have been a great move. It, it, would, it would get some votes. I guess. This is the most obvious elimination of the entire season. They treat this tribal council more like a Lauren funeral than an actual vote. <laughs> like, Lauren is basically yeah. saying goodbye in her speech before they even write any names down. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, she's basically saying goodbye. But but let me give you a counter counterpoint here. What if she's saying goodbye, making it very clear that she thinks... I'm going home. There's nothing I can really do. So I'm taking this opportunity. And everyone else goes, well, yep, we're voting Lauren. She even knows it. And, and that's just how it is. And then she idles and flips the script. That's what I was expecting from the edit. Oh, like that would have been cool. But that's not what happened. Like These were her final words and they were authentic. She was right. Yeah, I mean, she was right. It ends up being a 3-1-1, right? Yeah. And this was a really smart move. So... It's three votes against Lauren from Carson, Carolyn, Heidi, one against Jam Jam from Lauren, and then Jam Jam votes for Heidi, which is a phenomenal read on his part because he's thinking that if Lauren plays an idol and all four of them dump their votes on her, she is going to gun for Jam Jam. So by casting that vote against Heidi, if Lauren did play an idol, they would have to run a revote, and I bet Heidi goes home there. I, I mean, I think you're right, and that was a great read. Yeah, so do you have an, an epitaph for Lauren? Yeah, before I read the epitaph, though, I do feel bad for Lauren. I feel like she was pretty under-edited on this season. The fact that she made it to the final yeah. five with so little screen time 
is pretty crazy. And some impressive challenge wins. I feel like we learned more about Lauren during her final speech than we did <laughs> for a good chunk of the season. Yeah. So my epitaph for Lauren, this one was tough because I really like Lauren and normally the epitaphs are little jabs <laughs> at the contestants. So here it is. Lauren attempts to pull a prank at the final five tribal council where she pretends to have an immunity idol. In the end, Lauren was the one that got pranked in her elimination. R.I.P. Lauren. Ooh. Do you remember she says, oh, wait, Jeff, when Jeff asked them if anybody has an idol? Like, she pretends yep. to have one for a second. Does a little cute fake. Um, Are we going to see Lauren again? I would like to, actually. Um, I, I think she's on the cusp. I think she's got enough personality that in the right tribe, she could shine more than she did in this one. I would like to see her again. I'll say that. I don't know. Do you think she's coming back? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see her. I, she was one of my favorite contestants on the season. Like, I thought she was such a genuinely nice person. Let me ask you something here. We've talked, especially with some of these these people, about like, oh, are we going to see them again or not? Tell me if this is an accurate read as the voice of the people. It seems like to come back on Survivor, you either have to be a distinct character or play a really good game, or concuss yourself in the first 45 seconds of screen time. Yeah, those are, <laughs> yeah, those are the three avenues to a returning survivor arc. And so you can, you can be a strong competitor. Like Lauren does great in some very tough challenges. She's a dynamic person. She must be a great teacher because she just has a really wonderful energy about her. But it feels like she doesn't have anything distinct enough like a Carson or a Carolyn or a, a Bruce or a Jam Jam or a Jam Jam to come back. So do you have to be a character to, to show up again? I think you're right that the two requirements are either be a great player or a great character. Because when they bring contestants back, they're not appealing to the fans that have the podcast like us. Like they're appealing to the casuals. And if you're someone that just tunes into Survivor and just watches it passively, who are you going to remember most from this season? And that will be the best strategic player and the biggest character. And Lauren yeah. just doesn't fit either of those categories for this season. You know, the show is really just targeted at the people who are still watching their TV after Young Sheldon finishes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're just sitting back after they finish their uh, their TV dinner. Because it's 1983. Yeah. They're like, all right, well, I'll watch this show. I like Carolyn. She squawks. She's like a parrot. And like Carolyn has a lot of notable moments on the season. I don't know if there is one defining Lauren moment from season 44. I know she has some great points where she wins the challenge and she celebrates, but I'm not going to look back on this season in 10 years and say, oh, remember when Lauren did X? Right. R.I.P. Lauren. <laughs> R.I.P. Lauren. But so, and and we go right into the next challenge, right? Yeah, no discussion in between. Which I love. All I want is challenges and crying and challenges and crying. Yeah. Send everybody home and we don't need to see anything about tribal life. This challenge. What's the name of it? The name of this challenge is Simotion. It is a staple final immunity challenge on Survivor. It has been used as the final immunity challenge in now six seasons. People who have seen the show know this challenge. Basically, you have balls that you put in these ramps, and you need to catch the ball and put it back to the top. 
And over time, you're required to add more and more balls to this mechanism. Do you like this challenge? I think it's intense. I think it's good to in include this challenge at the end of the game. I think, I mean, I like it. It's a weirdly intense challenge considering how kind of, if you watch somebody do this in the park, you'd be like, what's that? Like, what's going on over there? That's a little weird. But between the edit and the music and the stakes, it does get very intense very quick. And I like it. Yeah, with the ocean in the background, they're on that massive cliff, I think. There is a sort of sense that if you uh, if you mess up, Jeff just kicks you off the cliff like you're in 300. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think that's really what's at stake here. It's not for immunity. It's uh, to avoid the Jeff kick. Oh, some highlights I had. Not enough Carolyn squawks during this one. Uh, yeah. It did not live up to my expectations. Carolyn was the first player to drop in the two ball phase, which is really early. I think players yep. have dropped in the one ball phase before. It only would be excusable to me to drop in the one ball phase if it was the first time they'd ever run this challenge. But uh, shout out to Carolyn for cementing her place as the worst challenge competitor by a country mile on this season. That's fair. She probably has the worst challenge win rate of anybody else on this cast because she was on Tika, who lost the most challenges, and she didn't win any individuals. Worth throwing out there. She says at some point later in the episode that she's very athletic outside of the show. And we actually get a shot of her later in the episode, like doing some yoga on the beach while Jam Jam like bobs around in the water. She's like doing challenging yoga poses. So it's not that Carolyn can't be physical. It's that something in her is completely incapable of competing. You don't think she's clutch? She's absolutely not clutch. We also get a um, moment in the uh, final tribal that I want to throw out here where <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing about this. Oh, no. <laughs> where Carolyn talks about how when she got the letter from home, her kid said in the letter, Mom, I hope you're winning challenges. Yeah, that's brutal, dude. Out of all things for the kid to request, because Carolyn's made some good moves. She has strengths on her resume. But the biggest weakness is challenges, and of course that's the thing that her son asks about. I mean, what an absolutely gutting moment. You know, I could see an alternate universe where, where Carolyn gets that letter from her son, and then that fuels her. She has a Jimmy Butler-esque, you know, underdog moment of, I'm going to turn this around, and she wins every challenge from then on, right? And instead, she continues to just be awful. <laughs> Oh, man. But so Carolyn loses. Uh, then Jam Jam. It comes down to Heidi and Carson, and Heidi wins. When it came down to Heidi and Carson, who were you rooting for? Oh, Heidi. Oh, I was rooting for Carson. I wanted the best strategic player to win. Obviously, Carson deserves it if you go resume by resume. But, like, this is Heidi's chance to do anything, right? And so I'm going to cheer for the one that, you know, doesn't have much going for her. Oh, okay. Yeah, Heidi's kind of the underdog here. So Heidi wins this challenge, like you said. What did this mean for Heidi's game? Um, After it, did you see her overall winning stock go up, or did you still feel that she was going to end up losing? I think we can agree on this. Heidi's best chance at winning is to put herself in fire and win, and then really crush it at the jury. However... Even that is almost definitely not enough. Is that fair? I think Heidi's winning chances ended when she voted out Lauren. Is there a reality where Heidi picks 
a different Tika member beats them at fire and wins? No. I don't think so. No. I think she loses yeah. to anybody at that point in the game. It was too little, too late. But this is going into Heidi's big decision. She looks at the Tika members and has to decide, am I going to send two of them into fire or do I want to go in against them? Like We're kind of hitting on this now, but what do you think was the optimal move for Heidi in this situation? Here, Here's the hard part, right? I think Heidi is right to want to make fire. It's her best option because even though there there is a valid opinion that, oh, Heidi picked the worst fire maker to go up against, I don't think it's that she picked the worst person making fire. I think it's she took her chance to eliminate the best resume. Yeah, and it's tough because Carson later says at Tribal that he's not a great fire maker. And by saying that in front of the jury, he is already diminishing the move by Heidi before she even makes the decision. So it's tough for her because I agree with what you said, where Carson has the best resume, but is the worst fire maker. Like ideally you would want Carson to say he's a great fire maker and have the best resume. So it means more when you defeat him. Yeah. Um, but before we get to the actual tribal, we can talk about everyone practicing fire beforehand. Carson is struggling. He claims that he could make fire for three minutes at home, but he can't do it on the island. We learned that he used to be an Eagle Scout, where he definitely learned how to make fire. Oh, listen, I, I, did you know this? I was a Boy Scout. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Were you an Eagle Scout, though? Eagle Scout's like you do all of it. Okay, well, you know what? Like, It's about the journey, not the destination, for one thing. Uh, for another thing, I, I started scouting too late, so I, I really enjoyed it, but I... I, I was like mathematically eliminated from Eagle contention because I started too late. Yeah, you were the equivalent of Heidi at the final four where you had no yeah. winning route. <laughs> yeah, basically. But uh, I will say that from what I know of scouting, which is more than most, I think there's a connotation that every Boy Scout or especially every Eagle Scout is just like a master outdoorsman. That is not true at all. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, like so I think Carson... Because he's an Eagle Scout, that makes everybody think, oh, he can do it. That is no guarantee that he can do it. Sometimes you go and, hey, guess what? We brought a lighter. You go on a camping trip and you, somebody brought a lighter. You don't have to make fire by hand. Like, I don't think I ever did it. So you're saying Carson Scoutmaster's decision to bring a lighter on the camping trips ends up being his downfall. <laughs> well, here's what I'm saying. We get this arc here, right? We see Carolyn very competent at fire. We see Heidi, very competent at fire. We see Jam Jam, incredibly good at fire. And then we see Carson almost incapable of doing it. I felt so bad for him too. He was in tears. No. Uh-uh, uh-uh. He cries. I don't feel bad for him. Do not feel bad that the guy who practiced everything and a big part of his narrative arc on the show has been, I practiced. The fact that he can't do the biggest Last thing, don't feel bad for him. That's demoralizing, feeling like he practiced everything, including fire. He definitely did fire beforehand. And then it just wasn't coming together at the very end. Like, that's terrifying. He's so close to winning a million dollars. Like, I totally understand why he feels so anxious in that moment. I would feel the same way. He absolutely should feel that way because to have practiced and worked as hard as he did before the show in so many ways, right? He put on all that weight. He gained a lot of muscle. He did all of those uh, practice challenges. He 
is a scholar of the game. He practiced the waterboarding simulator in his bathtub to, to have done all of that. And not only to have done it, but to have made it a central like pillar of your game, at least quietly to the camera. And for the edit to play it up, it is a tragic arc that he can't see that through. Yeah, dude, this is pretty harsh on Carson. I'm someone where I want to reward preparation. I think as much as I hate that Carson was able to prepare for it, like I don't think Survivor should be a show that you can prepare for to the extent that he did. I still respect that he did it. Like he played the game with his available resources. And I am someone that I kind of resonate with the fact of like not being someone that's naturally incredible at certain things that you need to just yeah. put work into and prepare to get good at them. And that's what Carson yeah. did. And it's demoralizing to see it not pay off. But to see, especially in this episode, up to this point, how notably cocky he has been in not just saying, oh, I, c I think I could win, but saying everybody knows I will beat them. I think that's true, though. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not true, but there's no sense of humility from him where we we get a moment from Jam Jam where Jam Jam helps Carson. And he's like, you know what? Was that the best strategic move? No, but it was the right thing to do. And he's right. Carson doesn't have an ounce of humility until he is humbled by fire making. And so I don't really feel bad for him because it kind of felt like pride cometh before the fall. You mentioned this where Carson is struggling with the fire and Jam Jam goes and helps him. He teaches him how to make it. Yeah. And Jam Jam says in confessional that he acknowledges this is a bad strategic move, but he just has this emotional connection to Carson and he wants to help him on a personal level. This is Jam Jam's worst move of the entire season. Oh my God. Oh my God. It makes me think less of him as a winner. And I totally get it. Maybe this was a moment that was outside the game, a moment of their friendship, but it almost cost him the entire game. If Carson wins this fire-making challenge, Jam Jam is not your winner. Can we agree on that? Because here's what I would throw out. Uh, I would throw out that if Carson wins fire-making and he's sitting next to Jam Jam, Jam Jam can say, look, Carson and I did a lot of things together. But you know what got Carson here? Me showing him how to make fire. We did the whole ghost thing. I I sat behind him. I helped him with his arms. I showed him exactly what to do. And you know what? I did it because I love this kid. We're great friends. Like, we're going to be friends after the show. I think this was Jam Jam both being kind and, yeah, maybe this will get Carson to the final. I don't think the jury would respect that. I think they would look at it from a different perspective and say, wow, Carson's social relationships were so strong that he was able to convince Jam Jam to help him in fire when it was the bad strategic move for Jam Jam. Well, well, I would throw this out that a lot of Jam Jam's arguments and, you know, final tribal come down to, I was able to always be nice, yet play a hard game. And I was able to read people and I was able to navigate the social aspect of this game really really well he could present his move here far better than carson could because i don't think carson's the type to say yeah i tricked jam jam or i i my social connections were so good that jam jam just felt like he had to help me i don't think that narrative works i think carson knows final tribal speeches inside out he's a student of the game i'm confident in his ability to yeah take that interaction and spin it in his favor all i'm saying is i think jam jam is a as we'll later learn a good survivor winner but 
there is a ceiling with him in terms of where I could put him in my rankings because of this move. That's fascinating. I don't know if Jam Jam has that dog in him. I don't know if Jam Jam is someone that is willing to turn on an ally when push comes to shove because he doesn't do it the entire season. He doesn't make the move on Carolyn, and he never makes the move on Carson, and he actively tries to help those allies that could potentially defeat him in the end. I love that move, frankly. I think it... Uh... Oh, it's a really sweet move. I'm not cold-hearted. Like, I appreciated <laughs> that moment between them, but I can also take a step back and say, Jam Jam, what are you doing here? This could really blow up in your face. The combination of, and, and we see this in the final tribal, the combination of kindness and yet confidence in his own game, I think is a really strong look that uh, would play well in in the jury. But we don't have to worry about it because let's go to Tribal. The Final Four Tribal, we hit on this earlier. Heidi's decision, she puts herself against Carson in fire making. I think we both agree that this was the right move on her part. I mean, and Heidi pops off in fire making. Yeah, she sets the record for the fastest fire making in survivor history which was just set in season 43 so i feel like every season moving forward we're gonna get a new fastest fire making record it's a tough look but it's a great move from heidi it's frankly by far the peak of her performance on this show oh yeah it's her best move of the whole season i think it puts her in not the most concrete way but in a pretty concrete way right next to jamie in my book they in the end occupy very similar places in Survivor history, which is to say they both set historical records, Jamie with her shot in the dark three months ago, and Heidi with the fastest fire ever, and neither really has much else on their resume, and neither move really gets those players where they want to be. I was happy for Heidi as a whole, though. I think this move proved that she was a self-aware player. Yeah. Like, my opinion of Heidi would have went down even more if she went in and said, my resume is currently strong enough to win without going into fire making. That would make me think Heidi was a little bit delusional. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. So my opinion of Heidi went up, even if she lost the fire making here. I would still think higher of her as a player because she's at least self-aware. So she beats Carson. Goodbye, uh, Carson. I was sad to see him go. I think Carson is the best overall player on this entire cast. Yeah. I will have my like player rankings coming out in like a week or two. And this is a spoiler, but I got Carson number one. I have my epitaph. Are you ready? Oh, I am so ready. I've never been more ready for anything in my life. Carson shot for the moon this season, but he did not land amongst the stars. He landed in fourth place. R.I.P. Carson. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. R.I.P. Carson. I tell you what, both of these players are in my fantasy team. And so shout out to Carson for getting so far and getting me so many points. And uh, shout out to my other player, Heidi, for uh, destroying him. Yeah. I also want to mention that Heidi is the second player in Survivor history to ever win the final immunity challenge and then give up the necklace to challenge somebody in fire. I did not realize it was that rare. I mean, there's only been 10 of them, but that's still not much. Yeah. The other player that did this ended up winning the season. It was a very controversial win. So I was worried when Heidi did this that the jury would get so swayed by the single move that Heidi was going to end up being our winner. And I would have been wow. furious if that was the case. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, this was a, a 
very solid move from Heidi, but it kind of felt like uh, changing the font on our resume from Comic Sans to Times New Roman after the interview. Too little, too late, but still a good move. Yeah. Uh, will we ever see Carson play again? Absolutely. I'm surprised we're not seeing Carson play uh, next. Like, I mean, he's got to go be a NASA engineering student, so he can't take that much time off of school and work, however those coexist. But um, he'll be back. Uh, and I don't think it'll take long for him to be back. I agree with you. Carson will come back. He was interviewed this week after the airing of the finale, and he said that he would return if given the opportunity. I will say, though, that I believe production will prioritize bringing back Jam Jam and Carolyn over Carson. Oh, yeah. Like, all three of them will come back, but I'd be surprised if they brought all three on the same returning player season, because then... I don't know. I feel like they would all have targets on their backs if other players knew that they had a history of working together. So I bet two of them come back on one season. And my guess is that Carson is the one that's left out. And then he's brought back later because he's also 20 years old. Like you have a lot of time to bring Carson back. And I mean, let's be honest. Pre-production has to figure out all new puzzles for Carson's next appearance. Oh, yeah. They've learned they have to burn up the playbook for the next time he comes. Yeah. Well, the legacy of Carson is set in stone. I guarantee yeah. you, we will hop on this podcast in the fall for Survivor 45, and there will be players that talk about 3D printing puzzles and practicing them ahead of time, and that will 100% be because of Carson. I don't think we'll see that until the next season, right? 45 started filming about three or four episodes into 44. Oh, well, I don't think that's enough time for those people to have prepped. That means they at least saw the premiere where Carson talked about 3D printing and practicing the puzzles. Like, 3D printing takes a while, dude. Actually, this is true. I used to 3D print as well. I did a lot of that in high school. Oh. Boy, whenever I talk, I realize Carson and I have a lot in common for me to be dunking on him. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, every time you 3D print something, it takes like two days. I don't know. I, I think we'll see a lot of the Carson influence on 46, and I, I would personally be surprised if we see much at all on 45. Well, Bruce is also coming back on 45, so maybe Carson gave him a tip beforehand since they're uh, ex-fellow Tika members. Was Bruce on Tika? Yeah. Wow, that's a blast from the past. I have one last thing for Carson. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, let's let's just really... Give Carson all the time in the sun before we move on to the actual successful players. This might be a hot take, and you might not like it. <laughs> okay, okay. We just watched a top 10 non-winning game ever on Survivor, I think. Oh, I, I actually think that's completely fair. I, I don't like it in the sense that I don't like that he was so heavily rewarded for his preparation and 3D printing and all of that. But I do agree. He had a great game. He really yeah. did. I looked back at my non-winner rankings, which I already recorded for TikTok, and I don't know how I'm going to work with this now because Carson deserves to be on the list. But when I recorded them, he was not on the list. Oh, so you've got numbers that he that if you put him in, the numbers are off yeah. kind of thing? So I don't know how I'm going to make that work, but I'll figure it out later. Right now, I have Carson as the eighth best non-winner in Survivor history. Wow. I'll trust you on that because honestly... He plays a great game. Let me float a quick question by you. I don't want to get too derailed here. Do you think that Carson in a return season would be quickly targeted because his game is so clearly laid out before him? I think on a returning player season, Carson probably would get targeted early because I'm assuming 
if you look at everybody coming back in that season, he made a deeper run than most players. Right. Like I think just by nature, the fact that he got fourth will put a target on his back. I think it would probably help Carson if that returning player season happened like two or three years from now when we're a little bit more removed from 44 and people kind of forget about it. Let it cool off. Yeah. One thing that might actually help him is some of those players that come back might believe that Jam Jam would have beaten him in a final tribal. Yeah. And if that's the case, then their opinion of Carson would be lower. I, I don't subscribe to that idea. I think Carson wins pretty easily in that final three scenario of him, Jam Jam, and Carolyn. We'll see. It would depend on the cast <laughs> is the niche answer. Yeah, yeah that's but fair. overall, I think he will probably be one of the highest placing players going into that season. Are, are we done with Carson? Can we, can yeah, we yeah, actually yeah. put Carson... Let's just uh, get the shovel and pat it down on the grave. Really <laughs> tamp down the dirt. We read we read the epitaph. He's in there. We'll see him in a few years. So moving on, we get kind of this hype reel before Final Tribal. Yeah, jury members saying, you know, what they want to see, things they liked about people's games ahead of time. And I just want to highlight a couple of these. Jamie says that Carolyn was all over the place in a masterful way, which feels like another one of those moments where I think Carolyn gets a lot of credit for using her emotionality as a strategy and I don't buy it and I don't get the sense from what we see of Carolyn at least in confessionals and things that this is an accurate read of her play do you think that Carolyn actually was intentionally amping up her all over the placeness strategically or do you think it was just her being her i do think there were points where she would intentionally act out a little bit more to have other players underestimate her i think it's more shown in the voting history where no one really targets carolyn until the final six and i think that's because of the persona that she has all of the time i don't know if there's one particular moment where carolyn does something that makes players think oh we don't need to worry about her I'm trying to give Carolyn some credit. I want to I want to end the season on a note where I I don't want to be just down on Carolyn to the end, right? We see we know the final count and she doesn't do well. It would be much easier for me to give Carolyn her flowers if there was a moment where it doesn't have to be inferred. We don't ever have a concrete moment that I can think of where her character saved her it's more just the fact that she was not targeted in general but yeah. there was never a moment where she was originally the target then she did something to move it away maybe i shouldn't be taking a quote from jamie so seriously <laughs> yeah i don't know if jamie's the most reliable source on this season given her whole yeah. situation with that fake idol i see franny's love for carolyn and i think it's totally valid carolyn lives by the beat of her own drum and owns it, and that's wonderful, and Franny really looks up to her. That's a great reason to love Carolyn. I don't think, oh, Carolyn's masterful use of her all over the placeness, I I just struggled to see that narrative as a valid one, and so I just wanted to see yeah. if there was a reason for it to be valid. Well, but my biggest issue with Carolyn and the emotional game is that emotional game translates to her voting record where she had yep. this connection to Jam Jam and Carson on a personal level. And I believe that she was perceived as number three of that alliance. And she needed to cut them at some point. And yep. 
because of that personal connection and because of those emotions, she was not willing to take the shot at either of them. I think there is a world where you can balance that emotional play and the strategic play, but Carolyn is in a situation where her emotional play caused her to make the wrong strategic moves. Other thing I want to mention from the jury member confessionals is Matt calls season 44 an absolute banger season. That's an exact quote. And then they name yep. the finale an absolute banger season. Matt is the player that gets the, the episode title, which is yeah. ridiculous. Like Matt's on the jury. He was the first player voted out to join the jury he was the mayor of ponderosa and now he has the right to name the finale like come on like we don't need matt doing this oh absolutely not especially when we get an even better quote from kane did you get this one no kane says i want to see a sword and shield tonight i don't really know what that means but he says it uh <laughs> it's like they paid him they slipped him 20 bucks to shout out the theme again and call back to his sound effects back in the day going into the jury how do you want to talk about this so i think we could just talk about highlights instead of going through every single question yeah. um one thing that you probably noticed is the jury format is different from samoa instead of having every member walk up and give a little speech it's more of a q a environment between the entire jury and the entire final three do you like this format better than the individual one i like that there's less monologuing from the jury however i don't like how flowy freeform it is um i don't like how comfortable carson feels coaching carolyn from the jury i saw that him like nodding and doing thumbs up in the background yeah and like kind of giving gestures to be like oh oh keep talking about that or whatever i wish it was a little more structured I don't know the evolution of this, so it feels like a improvement, but I would I think it might be a little bit too unstructured for me. How do you feel about it having seen everything? Yeah, so they make this switch in season 34, uh Survivor Game Changers. So this has been around <gasps> for 10 seasons. They changed the game. Oh, Survivor Game Changers is a highly contested season where it's an all returning player one and then they bring back all these contestants that did not change the game. <laughs> so there's many players on that cast that are still kind of poked fun of today because they were invited for game changers and they didn't do anything on their original season that's funny i don't like this format i liked it more when every jury member had their opportunity to ask a question because those questions show what each individual values in their jury vote and we don't get that yeah. same individuality here. It feels more like groupthink. Right. We, we only get individuality from one person on the jury. Who's that, you ask? Why? I have a clip. But with all due respect, I'll tell you right now, I played my game compartmentalized, and I take pride in that, and I have so much respect for this game. If my mother was up there and she had a bad pitch, she's not getting my vote. Can we talk about Danny? I am so annoyed with this man. <laughs> <laughs> Really? You don't like the guy wearing a poncho doing a De Niro yeah. impression and insulting his mother? Number one, he's wearing a poncho to final tribal. This is like the ultimate tribal of the season where everyone dresses up in their best clothes and Danny rolls up in a poncho. <laughs> and, and not even a new poncho. It's the same poncho from yeah. a previous tribal. Do you think he washed it in between? My guess is no. I don't think you really have to wash a poncho. Because I think you typically wear things under it. I think it's kind of like a an outer garment traditionally. And so I don't think you have to wash it. Like, 
do you wash your hoodies every time you wear them? Not every time, but I do still wash them. If I was going to wear a hoodie to the final tribal, I'd probably wash it. So the fact that he's wearing the poncho, ridiculous. I'm so annoyed that he spends part of this tribal talking about how he wants to vote for the best strategic player, not based on emotion. He wouldn't vote for uh -huh. his mom, despite their personal connection. And do you know what Danny ends up doing? Voting for the player that he has the personal connection with. He votes for Heidi. He doesn't vote for the best strategist of the group. He votes for the contestant that had the least agency out of the three. It is so annoying. Like, it's okay if you want to vote for Heidi because of that history the two of them have. But don't pretend like this isn't a social decision at all. It doesn't really track well, and it doesn't feel consistent. But you know what? Nothing about Danny feels very consistent. I don't really know what's going on with this guy, so... He's also unbelievably drunk at the end of the uh, reunion. Did you oh, notice? Oh, there's a moment at the end where he starts spraying champagne everywhere. And I did have a moment where I was like, this has to be insensitive to like the recovering addict and the child in the room. Well, it's also insensitive to the two players that just found out they lost a million dollars. I mean, the fact that they're all drinking champagne while two people are processing their loss is bad enough. There's no shot he's ever coming back. So he was like, you know what? I'm just going to burn all of my bridges and waste my vote and drink as much free champagne as I can before I take my uh, uh, economy class flight from Fiji back to Queens. <laughs> That's my epitaph for Danny. Uh, another highlight I have from this final tribal is Jam Jam does an amazing job connecting with the jury. This is a top-notch final tribal council performance. It felt like at points it was a stand-up comedy routine where he was saying lines and the jury was cracking up at all of his jokes. Um, yeah. I love the point where he said that he would talk to the players about their passions or their family and he would notice that twinkle in their eye and then yeah. he could cross-reference that twinkle to when they were talking strategy to see if they were lying to him. Like That was such a great line from him. It was so good. Just so good. We also get Heidi making a Survivor 101 mistake of interrupting Jam Jam during a question. Yes. That was not this, directed I towards her. I wanted to highlight this. Yeah. yeah. I think this looks insecure if you're interrupting other people during their responses. Like, if you want to make a rebuttal, do that during your own time. Yeah. I, the combination of interruption, not a good look. It's like the first question asked, not a good look. She corrects Jam Jam and then is wrong in her correction. Whatever point she was trying to make about his play was wrong, and Jam Jam gracefully and quickly puts her in her place, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, Heidi's not getting a single vote because if you're going to interrupt, you better interrupt correctly and land it, and she doesn't. That's where I expected her to be the no-vote finalist, to be oh, honest. same. You mentioned this earlier, but we get scenes of Carson nodding along for Carolyn, coaching her through the final tribal. Do you think that Carson had a major sway on this jury? Because he's the only Tika member there. He's really the figure that's giving them insight into the operation that was the Tika 3. Yeah, I mean, I think he must have had some, you know, dramatic impact. He's only been there for 24 hours, but that's still a lot of time. You don't know how those conversations went, but I think the combination of whatever Carson had to say and Jam Jam nailing it and Carolyn just kind of 
I'll be honest, I thought Carolyn did a completely fine job. Like, just a, a mediocre performance, not great, not terrible. I've said this before on the show, I didn't think she was going to be able to advocate for herself very well. And I was right about that. She really struggled to. She highlighted her own mistakes, which I think is a, uh, a mistake. You know, she talks about how she wasn't good at challenges and how she disappointed her son, right? That's not a good look uh, because she could talk more about her social game. It doesn't feel like she does very much. It feels like uh, she talks up Jam Jam a little bit, which is very kind, but this is not the time to do that. The vibes are so good for Jam Jam and so bad for Heidi, and Carolyn kind of skates right down the middle, and so... I was expecting this to be unanimous by the end, to be honest. I thought Jam Jam was going to win. As it went on, I thought that Carolyn would get some votes because it felt like Franny was advocating for Carolyn this entire final tribal. Uh-huh. And then she doesn't vote for her. Like, <laughs> I was very surprised by that, to be honest. It felt like Franny kept setting up the tee ball for Carolyn, and then Carolyn would kind of hit the tee and the ball would fall off, and Franny would go, oh, no, it's okay, and put the ball back on. And Carolyn would kind of hit it and foul ball. And, and Franny would go get it and do it a third time while Carson's like signaling from first base. It seemed like Franny was in the Carolyn camp. And I guess her final tribal council performance wasn't enough to keep Franny on that side. I loved that Jam Jam did a good job at owning up to his mistakes in a funny way because his final tribal council performance was not perfect. There was one point where I think a player asked him about his early merge game because if you remember he was on the bottom in those early couple rounds yeah he was used as the backup vote in the josh elimination um i think his name was getting thrown around for a couple other tribals in that early merge and when they ask him about this he knows this is a weakness in his game and he just says oh i thought you were voting for me because i'm pretty and then all of the jury laughed and they kind of just let it go <laughs> yeah it's wild that he was able to use that humor to kind of sway the jury away from those weaknesses. There's an instinct, and we kind of see it with Heidi, to be really defensive of your either gaps in your resume or mistakes on your your record. I keep saying resume. I think record's a better word. Uh, can you go back through the podcast and edit every time I've said resume and no. change it to record? <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think Carson's record is blah, blah, blah. Um, but... There's this instinct to defend everything you did and say, here's why I did that, whether your claim is true or not, to cover for the fact that, yeah, nobody plays a perfect game and there's factors outside of your control that you can't do much about. I think Jam Jam's not highlighting his his shortcomings, but rolling with them and saying, look, that's part of the game is sometimes your name might come up and... That's just because you're pretty. It was it was great. Jam Jam in that moment highlights or or uh, epitomizes the outcome of this season as a very positive one almost constantly. Yeah. The jury itself is very positive too. We never get any grilling like we saw in Samoa. I was expecting some. I thought we'd get some from Danny. I think it's good to have some tension intermixed with the positive attitude, but you get the sense that this cast genuinely liked each other. I actually want to give Danny a little bit of credit here. Oh, no. Just because I think it was a good question. He asks Jam Jam and Carolyn, how did you use Carson? 
which I think is a great question because this whole this whole jury has been hearing Carson's side for 24 hours. And this is an opportunity to potentially like really stand out. It does it goes pretty soft on the responses, but I thought it was a good question and uh you know, the best that Danny could do. I think Jam Jam did a good job responding there. He says that he used Carson to acquire information, but he did that with everybody on the jury. So it didn't feel like a personal attack against Carson in that he was saying, oh, our friendship wasn't real. I was just using you for info, but it was just a part of the game that he did with every player. A great performance by Jam Jam. You want to talk about the final vote? Let's talk about this final vote. It is a seven to one to zero vote. Jam Jam is your winner. He gets every jury vote except Danny. Were you satisfied with the Jam Jam win? Oh, I mean, let's be very clear. I was ecstatic with the Jam Jam win. I was on my feet yelling. I watched it with my mom. We were high-fiving. Aww. We were stoked. Like, both because we love Jam Jam and, frankly, any other outcome would have been ridiculous. So, <laughs> uh, and there's a moment of tension there, right? Where after maybe two Jam Jams have been read, I got a little nervous and thought, oh, man, what if five Carolyn votes show up here? But no, it was wonderful. Are you happy with it? I'm satisfied with the Jam Jam win. It was a deserved win. If I was on the jury, I would have voted for Jam Jam. I don't know if he's the best player on the season. I think Carson might be a little bit better, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I think this might be one of the best social games that we've ever seen on Survivor. I get the sense that okay. everybody on that island, outside of Josh, like genuinely love Jam Jam. Josh? Yeah, your winner pick, remember? Oh, yeah, Josh. <laughs> Yeah. I forgot him completely. You forgot Josh. Remember, he had some tension with Jam Jam. Yeah, he... Oh, they really went back and forth. Yeah. Outside of him, though, Jam Jam did a phenomenal job uh, with his relationships. I would be pressed to find, like, five other winners that have as strong social connections as Jam Jam. So I was really happy to see him win. A really unique winner as well. I think this is a winner that will have a strong legacy within the Survivor community. I think people will remember him very fondly as a really kind guy which was shown when he helps Carson in fire making so yeah I think he is a winner that will kind of have a like legendary reputation behind him in like five ten years I don't think we'll we'll forget about Jam Jam yeah I don't think we'll forget about him I don't think anybody can replicate a Jam Jam win really well just because I think, you know, somebody could play a good social game and win in a similar way. But I think Jam Jam's particular brand is so distinct that I don't know if anybody could really... Where, like, you look at Carson's game, there's a playbook, right? There's a playbook for Carson and there's a playbook for Jam Jam. The playbook for Carson is be a nerd, have a 3D printer, and practice a lot and study (laughs) the game. I think his game is uh, more complex than that, but okay. The foundational element is practice and hard work, right? I think a core foundational element of Jam Jam's win is be Jam Jam. Like, be likable. Be likable, but have the combination of instincts and kindness and warmth and approachability that you can't fake, right? You can work hard and you can have a Carson outcome. Jam Jams, I think there's an individual component to that that is uh, 
really impressive, but also really individualized. Would you say Jam Jam is the best winner that you've seen on Survivor? Uh, yeah. He's number one. He's overtaking Natalie White. Y- yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't even remember who won David versus Goliath, which is the other season I've seen. That's Nick Wilson. I don't remember Nick Wilson okay. at all. He won't get featured in your rankings. Are you officially putting Jam Jam over Natalie? Absolutely. Jam Jam is the best winner I've ever seen. That will be a much more interesting ranking after a couple more seasons. Yeah. But for now... No, I'll keep track of your rankings as we move on. I have a feeling Natalie will be chilling at the bottom for a while, though. (laughs) I would be shocked if anybody could uh, make me as angry as Natalie did. Oh, I have some uh, winners that are below Natalie in my rankings. (laughs) Oh, boy. It it does get worse from there. Uh, The other thing I want to throw out here is that I'm really thankful just because of the online community. I'm so thankful Carolyn didn't win because, (laughs) because her fans online are the most rabid fan base i mean you mentioned it earlier how quickly people were commenting asking for the squawks right yeah like if she had won oh man i would have been really i mean disappointed for the state of the game uh if she had won in this given tribal but also just furious to encounter those fans ever again and hopefully they're pretty quiet now But we'll see. They're not as quiet as you might think. We're still getting comments on our TikToks saying that Carolyn was robbed uh, of a win. Oh, my God. Which I think she was robbed of second place. I think it's unfair that Heidi got a winning vote. Yeah. And Carolyn's a zero vote finalist. Like, Carolyn deserved a vote. Yeah, she deserved a vote over Heidi. I would have way rather had a Jam Jam unanimous win than have a first, second, third with Carolyn in third. So, overall, you're not happy... You're happy with the win, but you're not happy with the outcome of the entire vote? Yeah. I think there's a chance that Danny knew Jam Jam was winning, and he wanted to just give Heidi second place. See, and and that's a moment where if I'm, like, Franny, I'd give Carolyn my vote because, you know, it sucks to go home empty-handed. It sucks even worse to be the only one going home empty-handed. Yeah, maybe at some point in the future I'll make a ranking of zero-vote finalists on survivor i think carolyn might actually be higher on that list because typically if you get zero votes you were dragged to the end and i don't get the impression that carolyn was dragged i think heidi was dragged more than she was i don't have the impression that there was any real drag as much as a couple of stumbles at this stage do we get epitaphs for the two losers i don't have epitaphs for them sorry (sighs) you only get them if you're voted out or you lose and fire. I'll do them for next season, but I'll probably only do them in the post-merge because it's tough to write an epitaph off like the first boot of the season when we don't know anything about them. And that feels like you've really earned it by making it to the merge. That reminds me, I don't think Jeff should say the tribe has spoken when you lose at fire. You want him to say Heidi has spoken? Or like, you failed. Uh, <laughs> or like, you failed? That is so brutal. Everybody up to that point has been voted out. The tribe has spoken through the ballot box. The tribe doesn't really speak through fire. One person puts you in fire and then your performance is the outcome, right? I don't know if the tribe has spoken is the right phrase there. I think it still applies because you'll have votes sometimes in Survivor like um, the Maddie vote, the first episode of this season where she was voted out with one vote against her. Is that really the tribe speaking? Because Brandon played that idol and then negated the votes against him and then got Maddie out of the game? Or is that just Brandon speaking? Yeah, that's a fair point. 
So I'm okay with the tagline. I'm not okay with where good things happen, though. Oh, well, so here's what I want to do next. I want to take a look real quick at the scoreboard for Survivor Fantasy for Season 44. Okay. <laughs> Let's just take a little stroll from bottom to top here, shall we? In sixth place, shocking absolutely nobody at this point, but pretty much a bummer at the time. It's Maddie the Meme with two and a half points. Yeah, Maddie hasn't had a player on the show in like two months. <laughs> in a in a significant jump in fifth place is Abby, our favorite uh, podcast reviewer. She has our nicest review on iTunes with 35 and a half points. Then we jump up a little bit to 46 and a half. Who do you think that is? That one's me. I got four. That's Clyde in yeah. fourth place. Wow. Somebody says he's the true expert for some reason, but looks like there are three people with more expertise than Clyde because in third place with 57 and a half, we have Tony and Olivia with Jam Jam carrying them all the way to third place despite Josh and Kane's performances. Yeah, Jam Jam really gave them all of their points. <laughs> And then it's down to two. In second place, it's Alexis with Carolyn going the all the way to third. This is actually interesting. The uh, scoreboard, well, I'll come back to the individual scoreboard. Because in number one was nearly 100 points at 98. Who is it, Clyde? It's you. It's me. Oh, boy. Uh, but I do think it's interesting to note on a more humble note. Thank you for letting me win. Um, Heidi, <laughs> yeah, letting you win. H Heidi won. Heidi, by performance, by the whatever the algorithm is for Survivor Fantasy, Heidi's number one. It goes yeah. Heidi, Carson, Carolyn, Jam Jam. It makes me think there's something wrong with the algorithm or that uh, maybe Heidi was the real champion. I don't know if I buy that theory that Heidi was the champion, but... Uh... She did get a lot of points this season. I think the main reason for that is tribal immunity wins and individual wins because she didn't have a phenomenal voting record by any means. Oh, and she right. found two advantages. She got the idol that she didn't play correctly, and she got the control of vote advantage, which she also played incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just by finding things, you get those points. Yeah, that probably put her over the top. So congrats to you, dude. Your reward is that for next season, uh, you will get to pick the draft order. I will have to be reminded of that in a few months, but that's okay. Yeah, maybe I'll just bank on you forgetting and then I'll set the draft order. No, no, no. It's in the podcast. Somebody will tweet at me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I won't see it because I'm not on Twitter anymore. But what else is there, Clyde? We don't have winners. We don't have losers. Well, there is Where a winner. Where do we go from here? The winner's me because I won the winner battle between us. I said going into the finale that Carolyn was my winner pick. But since I had one remaining, if Carolyn did not win, my backup was Jam Jam. And I got it. So I got it on my third okay. try this season. You know what? That's true. And I also want to highlight, I want to give you some flowers here. Uh, you very nearly perfectly predicted the finale. Yeah. It was shockingly close. I predicted Lauren going out at five. I predicted Carson losing fire at four. And then the main part where I was wrong was I said it would be a 6-2-0 final vote with Carolyn getting two votes. I thought Franny would vote for her, and I think the other one was Matt. But I got pretty yeah. close. And I realized that the internet sucks, dude. 
because people were commenting on my predictions that I looked up spoilers, which is ridiculous. Like, what's the point of us doing this if I'm just going to look up spoilers? <laughs> like, that kind of takes the yeah. fun out of everything. But it made me realize if I'm wrong, then I'm going to get called an idiot. And if I'm right, I'm going to get accused of cheating. Like, <laughs> what can I do here? I think my favorite thing about the, the TikTok account doing so well because of how hard you work on it is you getting a crash course in what the internet is like. like oh, yeah. Like, there's no winning. There's no winning. Except that you did win because you got Jam Jam on your third prediction. Honestly, I give all the credit to Carolyn because I made her my pick on episode three, and she carried me oh, the yeah. entire season. Like, maybe the strategy for the winner pick next year is to not pick somebody I think is going to win, but pick someone that I think will just get dragged really far so I can use my backup pick on uh, a real contender. We can't be metagaming our predictions. Like... Why we not, dude? <laughs> Carson metagamed the uh, the puzzles. Why can't I do it with this? That's true, I suppose. Oh, man. But then you're not picking a winner. You're picking who you think will get you the furthest so you can pick your actual winner. One of these days, we'll pick the winner on the first go. It's bound to happen eventually. What? Where do we go from here, Clyde? Uh, last thing I want to mention, we get a preview for Survivor 45. Bruce is back. <laughs> He's back back baby is that what he says in the preview i don't know man i just saw bruce and then i kind of blacked out and woke up on the floor like i was so <laughs> excited that it knocked me out similar to how bruce passed out <laughs> <laughs> the real question will be will tony and olivia take bruce in the fantasy draft this time i'm hoping that you give them the first pick of the draft to try to bait them into taking him first there's a part of me that's tempted to take bruce to be honest with you no, come on. No way this guy's winning, dude. Like, there's a precedent in Survivor history where when you mix returning players and new players, the returning players have targets on their back. Bruce is not winning this season. I would be shocked. And we can go back and run this clip if he ends up winning 45. I did love that we do get a shot of him jumping off the boat into the water, which just felt like we don't need to show him jumping. Like, it's okay. <laughs> we also see in that trailer, there's a little scene of a gavel and that's hinting at the auction we have not seen the survivor auction since uh, season 30 it's been like seven years since it's been on the show so they might be bringing that back i'm excited because i like the auction yeah yeah that was in samoa yeah i'm a fan of the auction so that that excites me i hope they bring that back i want them to bring back blending octopus and milk looking ahead for the podcast next week we'll do a season 44 recap a little reflection on the cast as a whole, the gameplay throughout the season. I'm assuming it'll be a shorter pod. The big reveal next week is that Jack will put his stake in the ground and let everybody know what is the next season that we are watching. Um, yes. There's a couple seasons that are up for contention. I'm going to send him all of the season trailers. And from there, he will make the decision since I chose Samoa. So the ball's in your court. Did you choose? Oh, yeah, you did choose Samoa. Yeah. yeah. To piss you off. And, and it worked out perfectly. But <laughs> Oh, Oh boy. So are these next three or, or four that you're going to, the shortlist you're going to make, are they going to be uh, all tailored to <laughs> evoke my rage? Um, No, I'm going to try to select them. So that way we're building towards a returning player season because I want us to like see ah, all the wonderful. prereqs and then watch the returning. And I think that'll make it have a lot more weight. Yeah. Excellent. Two seasons down, two down, just another 43 to go. 42 to go. 
Well, by the time we finish another one, it'll be 43. Yeah, so. I guess you're right. We're always fighting the new seasons coming out. Yeah. You know what? For next week, I'm going to run the numbers and figure out if we do uh, one season a quarter, more or less, how long it's going to take us to catch up. Oh, I already did that. I ran the math. How long is it? <laughs> uh, 21 years to oh. get every season. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. That's... Uh... It's not to get every season in the past. It's to get the complete history. So that's including all the new seasons that come out. In 21 years, we will have no more Survivor to watch, and we'll just have to wait in between the new seasons. Yeah. Well, tune in next week as we continue our endless plod towards an eternal punishment. This has been Survivor Analytics. That's not a great outro, but that's what you're getting from the voice of the people. Clyde, bring it home. Okay, just next week, we'll do the season recap. Okay, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>